Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. But first, we do have to quickly give a little bit of love to the best wine company in the world, uh, Virgil's Vineyard, who makes my favorite wine on the planet. Right over my shoulder here, The Smuggler's Son. Highly recommend it. It has been our favorite wine in this household for years, years before they were ever a sponsor. But they are a sponsor, and now we love them even more. We highly recommend you check them out at virgilsvineyard.com. The Smuggler's Son in particular is fantastic. And if you feel like saving a little bit of money, use my last name, Spiro, S-P-I-R-O, for a 10% discount. They are awesome. It is a company that's obviously, they're in Napa. They're not making this wine in Detroit. But the, the couple's from Detroit, the Kipper family that owns this vineyard out in Napa. So check them out, virgilsvineyard.com. Highly recommend you will not be disappointed. And you will also similarly not be disappointed with the guest across from me tonight because he's one of the best. I have ranked him in the top three to five journalists working in the state of Michigan today. A now three-time guest, two times in person on the Spiro Avenue show. This is Tony Paul from the Detroit News. Welcome back. It's good to be back. I love what you've done with the place. I heard really that nice. you did not find the your first visit overly impressive, that there were too many wires and, and it was it was offensive to your senses. I, I don't know about that. So we stepped we stepped our game up a little bit for you. We made it nice, nice and, and tidy yeah. because I have to impress you, Tony. It's yeah. very important. Yes, I'm sure it is. And so, that looks great. Oh, I appreciate it. So and you're a Spartan like me. Mm-hmm. So even though you're accused of hating yeah. our alma mater yeah. because mm-hmm. you reported court findings and filings and yeah. so yeah yeah i hate michigan and michigan state it depends who you ask yeah so. we were talking right before the show that i've been accused of being like a liberal fascist honk mm-hmm. and like a maggot like donald trump red hat wearing fascist as well so yeah people don't know what they're talking about but you certainly do you're one of the few people in this state that does know what they're talking about and particularly with our topic tonight i have turned my head completely away. I've averted my eyes from the Detroit Tigers. Too much other stuff going on. Michigan State basketball is a mess. Michigan State football was mostly a mess, but had two highs. You got the Pistons. You got the Red Wings for whatever they are. I haven't even looked at the Tigers in a while, but I've started to pivot back. We're on the doorstep. We're a couple weeks away from pitchers and catchers. This is when it starts to get exciting. What a perfect time to have you back. The Tigers are in a state of transition. Most people that have followed this team for a long time know that uh, this has not been the heyday. We're sort of at the low point in this period, this last half decade now. I'm wondering, this rebuild was launched in 2017. So we're several years removed from that. How is the, what is the state of the rebuild? How are things going there? Uh, I don't, uh, (laughs) I don't know if they're going that great. Um, you know, it, it depends on, on your on your perspective of things. Uh, I like what they've done with the minor leagues. Uh, I still think there's a lot of talent there. I think if you saw Casey Mines and you saw Tariq Skubal come up, I think you have to like what you see. I know a lot of people were freaked out because Mines gave up some homers. And, you know, you look at his first three, four starts, the same thing as Justin Verlander when he started. You can see that the stuff is there. So you have to be excited about that and, and, and the level of the other kids coming up. But the argument that I made um, going into the, uh, the offseason was 
yeah, these guys are coming up. So now is the time to start pushing, pushing the envelope with the with the filling in the holes with your with your free agents, with your positions that you need, you know, need some help. And um, I've been absolutely disappointed with with uh, what shape the rebuild has taken this off season. In that, I don't think it's taken any shape at all. I think that they've done nothing, and and I think this was the perfect time to strike. So I think they have the pieces. But uh, they haven't been as proactive as I would like to see them in, in in filling in the holes and the gaps around because of the, I think that this team, with some with some good free agent signings, some good moves, I think this team could be in contention in 2022. Now I don't believe that. I think this is a wasted off season, especially because you have the COVID and everything, and so you had there's discounts to be had out there as well, and to kind of. Uh, you know, to kind of yeah, you got to bite the bullet now and spend money when you probably don't want to, but you're gonna be saving in the long run. And I felt like this was a prime time for them to kind of be proactive, and, and they fell flat on their face. And so I, I I'm not optimistic that they're gonna contend in 2022. Uh, and so you know, beyond that, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I, I try to look a year down the road. I don't think anyone can look more than a year and and say they absolutely know what's gonna happen. You can look a year down the road and. I don't, you know, I, I don't like the the idea of them contending in 2020, uh, 2022. And I think we're in perfect lockstep. And, and I'll throw this one caveat out there that this was the offseason that I expected some serious moves to be made. Now, you got to keep in mind, we are now in 2021. The initial overtures, promises, assurances, hints, whatever you want to call them of don't worry, we're going into a rebuild. But at the end of this race, you know, pretty soon, just wait a few years, we're going to spend. We're now going on four years removed from those initial statements and, and sort of suppositions. And they're still doing the same stuff they were doing two years ago. You're still seeing sort of the discount signings, the taking a flyer on a guy trying to be the fifth starter. Derek Holland, who's been bad for like four years. It's kind of like the Tyson Ross signing 2.0, or we're up to maybe the 5.0 now of that type of signing. They're doing the same exact kind of stuff, bargain hunting, mm-hmm. bargain shopping, that they were three or four years ago. There is no distinction between what they're doing now from what they were doing two or three years ago. So where's the progress? Mm-hmm. And the progress they're credited for is the farm system, which is the highest it's been in my lifetime. Sure. But I've been of the contention that they don't really get credit for that because you could be my wife knows very little about baseball. If I just handed her the keys to the franchise and said, you know, here you go, honey, love you, do your worst. Mm-hmm. She probably would do about the same thing. She'd finish bottom three to, to five for five years in a row and then pick guys in the top five. And now all of a sudden you're the darlings of baseball America because, oh, they got five prospects in the top 100. Well, if you're picking in the top five. I'm top 35, but. Oh, top thirty-five. You're no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Top thirty-five. So that, that's a big difference too. No, no, no. You're right. I get what you're saying about the draft. Everyone could take Spencer Torgelson. Anybody could take Casey Mize. Right. I don't think. I don't think everyone would have taken Tariq. You know, would have landed Tariq. Schoolboy's the exception. You know, yeah, he's he's an outlier there. Um, but you're right. And and with any farm system, uh, it's 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 all a guessing game until they until they get there. I mean, you you don't know. You know, you could have. You know, you could say all you want about this great farm system. Tiger supposedly had this great farm system in the early 90s, too, and that didn't exactly pan out either. So until they get there, um, but that's, again, I, I think they're okay there. Um, and I, I think they've done fine. Where they haven't done fine is they haven't 
turned anybody that they traded in to start this rebuild into anything significant as far as prospects. I mean, you got Candelario and he's fine, uh, whatever. But I mean, you look at, you know, for the, the JV trade was a bust. I mean, Franklin Perez, you know, I mean, is as fragile as can be. We don't know if he's ever going to start for the Tigers or pitch for the Tigers. And uh, that's, those are big mistakes they made. And I think that that, that hindered the rebuild, the drafting. I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Now we'll see what happens with the later drafts. They supposedly got an amazing haul in this shortened five round draft this year. We'll see what happens with that. But, um, but I agree for the most part at the top of the draft, there's not, there weren't many decisions to be made, especially with Casey Mize and Spencer Torkelson. No, I mean, yeah. And those are the two, I mean, they were the consensus top prospects. You were picking one. You took them, and you know it's easy to forget now. But even Matt Manning, who's highly regarded on draft boards, I'm like a total dork with the mock draft stuff. Like to to a personal fault, Tony. A mock draft for baseball. I'm one of the only ones. Like you, you could go. We won't my... do it. We won't do it at the news. It was funny. Lynn Henning tried <laughs> for decades to get the boss to let us do baseball mock. Let him oh, do a baseball mock it. draft, and the boss is like, absolutely not. No one's gonna read that garbage. I would have been the one. You would have. You would have. Yeah. He would have been writing it for you. So yeah. Lynn should just come here and give it to you because, yeah, he tried for decades to get the. You know, because we do it obviously with basketball and football and all that. But the boss for years said no. We're not. Well, doing a baseball he was mock. probably right. I mean, as much as I love them, I identify that I'm a weirdo for liking baseball mock drafts. But yeah, I was talking about you know prospects like a year in advance for the last five right. years so yeah I, i'm into that stuff but the point i was going to make was matt manning going into that draft at the position the tigers took him that was about right too that wasn't some like gem they uncovered either so school really is the only one and it's like congratulations you've been mm -hmm. making decisions for five years you found one guy that's probably a value that's not impressive you made the great point of the the real hindrance of the rebuild and the speed of it is that they had all these pieces, Verlander, yeah. Scherzer, Upton, J.D. None of these guys were turned into anything. And you look at what the Yankees did with Araldis Chapman, extreme example, but still, they rented Chapman to the Cubs for two months. Mm -hmm. It was like 50 days in 2016. Mm -hmm. They got Glaber Torres, one yeah. of the best baseball players on the planet right now, a, a superstar, 20-year-old, a little older now, but 20-year-old shortstop. They've done nothing. If you had even one or two pieces from those trades, now that farm system is overflowing. But you said it. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything anyway. No, it doesn't. But I will say this. The, 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 the Chapman in 2006, there was this cutoff in baseball. And it wasn't definitive. It wasn't an exact date. But where teams stopped unloading the farm system for rentals and for instant fixes. It's kind of shifted to teams aren't willing to do that anymore. Um, that was kind of like the end of that, you know, that with that haul that you're talking about. But um, but absolutely, they should have gotten more for. Can I get a functional major leaguer? I'm right. not asking for Glaber I, mean, got, I said I mean, that's an extreme yeah, example. You got, you got Candelario. I think he's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, Candelario, he's fine. He, he had a great 40 days. But, that's for wonderful. Ver, but for Verlander, you haven't. I mean, I mean, that's inexcusable. And uh, and they, you know, they, they held Max and, you know. They they made some they made some big mistakes and you know they rushed the signing of uh, J or the trading of D JD I think uh, you know I think they could have held back and gotten more for him and th that's where the mistakes have been made grave mistakes and uh, and the rebuild would have been a lot quicker had they hit on those and I mean these yep. are superstar players that you didn't hit on and uh, that's a problem and the the point is 
you are in year four, really year five going into of a rebuild as far as I'm concerned. I argue it actually started the year before with, and then Mike Illich changed his mind. That makes the point even stronger. Yeah, but well, I mean, we're at, in at least year five. Is that fair? I yeah, mean, it's five. It's so five years. Some people would argue. There are certain people that would say it's four, but I, it's, it's five for sure. And I argue that it's even longer because I still believe that, you know, they let Max go and that was the start. And then Mike Illich just completely changed his mind and yes. one more chat, one more shot at it. And, did the wow. you know, Zimmerman yeah. he, and Upton and he well, read his oncology report. I mean, right. that's, I mean, that literally that's not being macabre. I mean, that's actually what happened is that, you know, he realized, you know, the writing was on the wall for his, his lifespan, unfortunately. And the point is a, a monkey running this thing, a, a chimpanzee, a rat running this thing could do no worse. And that's, what's frustrating. You're in year five. There's been nothing done that, Anybody that has access to MLB Trade Rumors annual mock draft couldn't have come up with. Okay, the team sucks. Oh, we'll take the top guy on the board. Mm-hmm. Oh, the team sucks again. We'll take the top guy on the board. That's the only progress. There's been little to no development uh, within the, in the mid rounds. They haven't hit on any trades. Basically, I mean, if you want to say Candelario, I say the jury's still out on that. His no, overall I, I'm body not, work I'm not is putting poor. him in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying he's a serviceable. He's a legitimate starter. He could start on other teams. That's the point I was making. Wow. Even that's debatable. This past year, very nice. But There's 30 teams. Body, body, he body, could start somewhere. You know, okay, the, <laughs> the Marlins are dying to get their hands on him. I, the point is, in year five, I want to see something more than accidental right. progress that anybody could come up with, and we have not seen that. I don't know what I want more, really, from this team, and I've had this discussion with Max Boltman from The Athletic regarding the Red Wings, too. I kind of fluctuate, uh, and I'm curious for your opinion. This team right now, 2021, are they better off organizationally playing meaningful baseball in September somehow? They're five games out of the wild card, not really in it, but they're kind of in it. Get these young guys up in meaningful moments. or And then they end up picking 10th or 12th. Or are they better off stinking again and getting one more elite prospect in that top two to four? Oh, I think they probably, because their track record is most teams' track record is better with the top pick than it would be with the 10th or 12th pick. So I think just from that standpoint, and especially the Tigers, I I would say picking first and second would be better for them than picking 10th or 11th because I just don't see the track record with them picking down the board. So if they're not going to win this year, you know, be bad. But, so get, yeah, be- so I, get the best guy, you know. I tend to agree. Um, you know, I mean, I, I and I think they're going to be in that position anyway. I don't see them contending into September unless again it's a 60 game season I don't see I don't see him you know which, which who knows if it will be we don't even know when baseball is going to start but um, uh, I just think the track record would be better with the easy pick I actually like where they're at I mean obviously I'd rather be picking first or second but they have the third pick this year and a lot can change between now and the draft it's a few months away but it is considered really a three-ish player draft but there's two pitchers that stand out above everybody else and so you're going to get one of the best two pitchers, the consensus top two guys, or you're going to get the best hitter in the draft who, or whomever you think is the best hitter right. in the draft. So I think they're in a good position now. I do think one more year of like, let's get, you know, if you consider this draft and then the subsequent 2022 draft, give me two more blue chip prospects. And this brings us to our next point. I think they need that because I don't believe they are going to spend. And, and that's where my skepticism lies. Chris Illich has made, multiple pledges over the past few years and in interviews whenever he does pop up. It's not often. You've had multiple headlines locally, Ben, if you can throw those up. I mean, we just pulled a couple from like 2020. But 
the we'll read this one first. This is from Detroit Free Press, your best friend, Carlos Monarez. Quote, Detroit Tigers owner Christopher Illich believes in process, will spend when the time is right. And then going to your publication, the Detroit News, that same um, year, 2020, if you can, there we go. This is our buddy, Chris Bukowski. Quote, that day will come. And quote, Tigers, Christopher Illich assures fans he's prepared to spend. And we pulled just a couple, but this stuff's been going on for half a decade now Mm. where don't worry, just everybody relax. I'm going to give you Wilson Ramos. I'm going to give you Tyson Ross. I'm going to give you all the, these, you know, uh, mediocre C minus players. Just hang in there. Hang in there. Well, we're hanging and hanging and hanging, and we got nothing. Mm-hmm. But this brings me, before I ask you, you mentioned Lynn Henning earlier. He had a very interesting quote. Lynn Henning, you can dispute it if you want. I have it on decent authority that Lynn Henning has a good relationship with some of the people downtown at Comerica Park, and it has manifested over the years in articles where he says this is what they're thinking and it tends to come true. This was from his article yesterday, that's February 4th, quote, you can expect to see legitimate baseball life, interest, enthusiasm, reasons to buy a Comerica Park ticket, etc., return in 2022, that's next year. It's a matter of young talent graduating to the big leagues and the inevitability of a box office free agent or two being signed during the coming offseason, which will happen. Mm-hmm. End quote. Emphasis all mine, but important emphasis. So let's let's break it down. He's saying that it's inevitable, his words not mine, inevitable that a box office free agent or two or two mm-hmm. will be signed this upcoming offseason. Not the one we're in, next one. I think he's pretty plugged in. I don't think he's pulling that out of his ass. He's saying not only that he thinks or they could or it might be time, it's inevitable. No, it's going de- to happen. That's a definitive statement. And, and Lynn is plugged in with, uh, with the higher-ups in, in many of the teams, but particularly the Tigers. And, yes. Um, and that's, a, you know, that's not an, uh, you know, an I think this is going to happen statement. It's very definitive. Um, he's got more faith that that's going to happen than I do. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I believe, um, and and again, and I brought this up the last time, and then you talked to Chad about this as well. Uh, I believe, or about the whole District Detroit thing. Chad is, live and good yeah, for cranes, yeah. right? Which is the District Detroit promise. All we have to go on with Chris Illich, okay? He's been the de facto Tiger owner for six six years or whatever it is. Uh, they won't even call him the owner. He's chairman and CEO or whatever. He's but the owner. He's the owner of the team, yeah. um, and. We don't have any evidence to suggest this that is going to happen. Uh, and the only thing that we have to go on is some big proclamation that he's made is the whole District Detroit, which was the promise you know, of this huge Renaissance neighborhood, several blocks downtown, anchored by Little Caesars Arena. And he was, they were going to build this up into restaurants and shops and hotels and apartments or whatever in return for the tax subsidies. And that has not happened. That has been a colossal lie. I mean, there's nothing else to call it. They have the arena, which the city helped pay for, which makes them money. That's all there is. I mean, I work downtown there all the time, and I love downtown. I think that downtown's great. But that area is not there. And that's the only big proclamation from Illich that we have to go on. And it's been 
not it hasn't come true. So that's why I'll remain skeptical that Chris Illich will spend when quote the time is right, whenever the hell that is, until it happens. And again, I made the argument that this offseason would have been a prime time to start that. And um and got laughed at by a lot of readers that thought, oh, they can't do it yet. And I'm like, why not? They ha- it takes multiple off, even if you have all the great prospects in the world, even if you have the core four like the Yankees have, it still takes pieces that you have to plug in from the free agency. If you look at the 2006 Tigers, that was, yes, it was Verlander and Zamaya and it was Granderson and, and, and a lot of the young guys. It was also three off-seasons of putting the pieces together in Pudge in 2004, in Maglio in 2005, uh, Carlos Guillen. Uh, Kenny Rogers, Todd Jones. It was multiple off seasons. So if you're going to say that you want to contend next year, which they believe they can in 2022, then it had to start this off season to at least do something. And all due respect to the second baseman they re-signed tonight, Jonathan Scope, not the answer long term probably. Robbie Grossman's not a long term solution here. Um, Wilson Ramos, same thing. It had to start. You had to get you had to start getting those, you know, cornerstones and, and they just don't have those. And and they have and you know, you made the perfect statement that if two thousand six is the doppelganger for what we want the contention to look like, oh three worst team ever. Mm-hmm. I mean the, the Mets were an expansion team. The oh three Tigers are the most they were the way disgraceful. Worse. <laughs> I mean it's it's an expansion team, it's the ultimate asterisk. The Tigers are, are the worst baseball team ever, that O three team. Oh four, you know, they bring in Pudge. They were they were like twenty five games better, mm-hmm. still terrible. Mm-hmm. And then they were they signed Maglio Ordonez in 05. He was banged up for half right. the year, but hit you know he hit when he was on the field. They won like five or seven more games, and then they popped. The young guys came up. It was like a perfect synergy. You laid it out. We're still like in that not 03, but like 04 mm-hmm. territory, but with no pudge. But back to Lynn Henning. Lynn Henning said box office. And he said, or two. Mm. So his informed opinion, I can only assume with the definitive language he's showing us, he thinks that there's one or two box office. Box office is not solid. That's not mid-tier signings. And that gets you into what are we talking about? Because the free agent class isn't that deep as far as that upper tier. You're looking at, what, Carlos Correa, a reunion with an old J.D. Martinez, a reunion with an old injured Justin Verlander potentially. Which I think will happen. I I, I do think that's inevitable. You and I have been saying that for a long time. I was told told by multiple people in the organization when fans were crying that they traded Justin Verlander saying – He's gonna he's gonna finish his career here. It's gonna I be the perfect timing. Yep. So, but that's a, that's a story for another day. But that just that's going to happen. Well, if this opinion. whole thing is being fulfilled on, don't worry, we're gonna bring back a thirty-seven-year-old Justin Verlander, fresh off Tommy John, fresh surgery. off exactly, fresh off Tommy John. I don't think that's a fulfillment of what uh, they promised or what we had in mind. We'd love it, mm-hmm. but that better be one of like three or four moves of a significant, uh, you know, scale. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, you're saying you're skeptical, so you basically already answered my question, and that I just I don't buy it, and I don't think if Lynn is wrong, if Lynn Henning is wrong about what he's saying, they have basically lied to us again mm-hmm. because I don't care about signing guys for seven million, eight million, ten hours. Mm-hmm. They were doing that with Mike Pelfrey five, six years ago. That that does nothing for me. You ask for people's patience. We've waited. It's been a horrible half decade. Mm-hmm. You owe us, and 
This offseason, I agreed with you. This was the one to start making the moves. You know, not, not make all of them, but make no. that first one. Well, and it was a loaded, it was a pretty loaded free agent class. I mean, and and there, and by the way, there are still pieces out there, although fewer than there were. Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers. Um, but there's a guy. Lock him in for six years and you know, not saying that he would come here, but make the effort. I just think that. They didn't do that. They didn't look at this offseason as an opportunity. I think I, I made the argument um, beginning offseason was go get your George Springer and go get your DJ LeMahieu. Now, you didn't like the LeMahieu. We have our differences over how he's good, good player. He, he's a I good like Springer. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, but they're both they both could be significant cornerstones for your future. And you could have got them, I think, at a pretty decent. I still think it was pretty decent discount. And, uh, you know, they decided not to do it. And I just. There were pieces out there. I mean, I think you could have been the team to sign Corey Kluber, uh, you know, and, and see what happens there. Um, but, you know, they went a different direction. I just think that when is that time? I mean, I mean, you can't just bring up the prospects next year and then plug in the free agents all at once. It's just not it doesn't work that way. You're not going to it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to get every free agent you want anyway. So it just it's not a one off season process um, in building back a contender. And I think that, uh, you know, and I think now they're going to, you know, go the other way with their pandemic. They're going to kind of use the pandemic as an excuse of why it may take a little longer because, you know, the money and everything. So they couldn't spend as quickly as they as they might have wanted to, which is going to be a BS line. But I, I tell you, I think it's coming. Oh, yeah. I, well, it kind of already has. Mm -hmm. I mean, that they've already leaked some stuff strategically to the media about their finances and not being as great a shape and whatnot. But. Yeah. No, it affected everybody. Well, and they I, laid off. A, I know they laid off a bunch of scouts in the organization too. They um, laid off some uh, business, like marketing mm -hmm. type staff too. So yeah, I didn't know as much about the scout angle. Mm -hmm. I know more like the the business side of it. They lost some people too. But I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure there are financial difficulties. But wow, what an ultimate like parachute away! Because I don't think that really had anything to do with anything. We had no evidence that they were going to fulfill this promise anyway. Right. So my position is, if they don't make the big, I don't care about middle tier. If they don't make a big move next offseason, trading for you know a disgruntled player like Cabrera that's due for a lot of money or signing somebody outright, I, I'm done. Like I'm done thinking it's going to happen. Still going to be a Tigers fan. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm stuck there. But I'm done having any faith in this for whatever shred I have left. And we talked about it last time you were here. But at the end of the day, we've seen this general manager, whom I know you like and is media friendly. No, he's a, he's a nice guy. That's not to say that I think that he's done an amazing job. Well, he's done a horrible job, but he's had one kick at the can with deep pockets. Mm -hmm. And what did we see? Mike Pelfrey, terrible. Jordan Zimmerman, worst contract in Detroit sports history, not baseball history, Detroit sports history. Look it up. Yeah. He's the worst. You got a good April and year one out of him. It was a pretty good April, by the way. He was awesome. <laughs> he was awesome. It was funny because your boy Lynn Henning said that it was a bad signing. And I, it, you know, Zimmerman's like player of the player of the month in April. I'm just roasting Henning. <laughs> say, hey, what do you think now? It was a disaster. Yeah, it was, terrible. It, was it was bad. And, and so, that, was, that was your Max Scherzer replacement. It's just. Yeah, not good. And, and the point is that we've seen Alvila. It was a sh small sample size, but we've seen him with the Mike Illich version of this pocketbook. And it was not pretty. It was actually one of the uglier off seasons in this organization's history arguably in the city's history. If you just look at the scale, these contracts were so bad. They got not, they spent all this money and got nothing out of it. Mm -hmm. So even 
if I am to grant that Chris Illich is going to fulfill his word, which we have no evidence that he will, the other component is, look who's making the decision with this pocketbook. So I got to go through two doors that I don't think are passable. I got to think, one, Chris Illich is going to spend, and two, Alavio is going to spend wisely. Yeah, I think they're over two. Well, am I, am yeah. I too cynical with that? No, no, you're not. Um, I mean, there's a you know the money that Alavio has had, and he only had the blank checkbook once uh, that Dave Dombrowski was you know had for many many years. He had it one time, and he he went after Zimmerman, he went after Upton, and it was it was awful. Um, you know, and so yeah, I mean, the, again, you go on track record, and the track record is not good on either front with either guy, um, you know, and then, you know, the other moves that, you know, the, the little money Avila has had to spend, I think, I mean, it's, it, I mean, there haven't been very many good free agent signings. I mean, last off season probably were the best with Crone and, and, and scope. I mean, those are the two guys that were looking like they were going to be decent, but again, they're just place fillers. Um, so it's about evidence-based and you're right. There's no evidence whatsoever that, that uh, Chris Illich will spend, and if he, even if he does, there's no evidence that Alavila will spend all that great. Um, I think what's most disappointing with Avila, though, is the trading and, and getting nothing in return, because that was his bread and butter under Dombrowski. I mean, he orchestrated, and we've talked about this years ago, he orchestrated many of the big trades in the Dombrowski era. I mean, he was the point person um, on a lot of those. and um, and and the, he, uh, But... I guess those were easier because you're trading away unknowns for superstars. Now he was in the position of trading away superstars for unknowns and it's failed miserably. And, um, you know, so maybe, maybe that wasn't his, uh, bread and butter as, as I thought, but I, I think of his tenure, that's, that's been most disappointing to me. I, I just, I just have no faith and it's, I, I think we've waited long enough and yeah. I think it's to the point where I'll give him one more off season, one more. And if they don't, and I, again, no middle tier. I want Carlos Correa at Comerica yeah. Park being introduced. I want. I, I think Lindor is probably a given the resign with Cohen's money in New York, and you know Cohen is the richest owner in baseball. But like, so that may be a tall ass. But I want a marquee player, a, a multi-time All Star, a guy that's in his twenties still that's going to be here. Give him eight years. Anything short of that, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I'm the only one. I think people are going to be fed up. You're always going to have that sect of people that are the homers. They owe us. Enough's enough. And, you know, you're a patient guy. You're more patient than I am. But if, if you are saying enough's enough, I think that's the point where enough's enough. No, it's just, I mean, it is. I mean, five years, I mean, is a long time. I mean, look, baseball rebuilds take longer than other sports. I mean, football, you can turn it around, I think, in two or three years. Yes. Um, baseball's, you know, it's trickier because, again, the draft isn't an instant uh, fix uh, in, in baseball, like it is in some of the other sports. And so it, it's a longer process, but when you're talking about year five, when you're talking about a, the assets you had to trade B the money, your owner has to spend if he wants. And then, uh, it's six years later, five years later. And, and there's this, I mean, tell me one position player on that roster on the major league roster right now, a position player who you think is a cornerstone. There isn't one. No, there's no, no. I mean, I like Jacoby Jones. I think Jacoby, oh, I think Jacoby Jones is a fine player. I think he's got he's tools, been hurt twice, and but he, came to he's my had, house he's had injury issues. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but beyond him, I mean, look at the catcher was supposed to be this. Oh, they were, they had, they had all these catchers in the minor leagues that could, they were going to be great. 
They had to just sign Wilson Ramos. Yeah. I was going to invite Jacoby Jones actually on the show, but I, I didn't want to have to draft a waiver for him to walk down the stairs without breaking his neck. That guy's, it's not his fault that the guy gets hit in the face with a pitcher. Or that's it. I'm mad at him. all the time. I mean, you know, I my my buddy Jack. I used to go to Vegas with him all the time. It's not his fault that every time he walks up to you, you lose whatever hand of blackjack you're playing. It's not his fault. <laughs> I still don't want him around. I don't blame Jacoby Jones. I'm not saying let's pick it outside the guy's house. But you can't trust them. That was that a decent it? trade, by the way. Joaquin Sorry, I've heard you. I mean, Jacoby Jones. That was a decent trade. No, it's not. They got a they got a they got a solid piece. And when he's healthy, I, I like him. You didn't get a solid piece. The guy's in pieces every <laughs> every season. He's a, he's he just can't stay healthy. There's just nothing there. But here's again, where, a lot of that's not his fault. I mean, he gets hit in I'm the face sa- a lot I'm by pitches for some saying reason. Saying it's his fault. I'm saying this is the result. I'm not. It's not about blaming the poor guy. I feel bad that he's 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 got the the limbs of an 87 year old man. I feel very sorry for him. It must be frustrating because he's a real talent. But at the end of the day, I need you on the field for 130, 140 games a year, and we haven't seen that. Here's where I'll pivot, and here's where I'll say something nice because we've been mean for half an hour. Have we? It doesn't feel like we've been that mean. We've been unflattering of the organization's well, direction. I mean, what for else are you going to be? Well, here's, I, I don't I'm know. Go I mean, I, I mean, you're, you're struggling to find a single writer, a writer in town who's supporting this stuff. I mean, oh, there's not. Yeah, you said it. There's not much to support, but that brings me to my point. The one ray of shining light for my money. If I'm running a team and I have a, a blank checkbook. I can have anyone I want to manage. A.J. Hinch would oh, be my top choice. Nailed it. I think A.J. Hinch is the best manager in baseball. I think he has that perfect and very rare blend of smarts, analytics, runs a room properly. I think they nailed it, and they had to spend. They got a little lucky with the White Sox, but that, I'm not going to blame Chris Illich. At the end of the day, he went after him. The money was there. That is to his credit. It's not a managerial hire you make if you're just trying to do everything on the cheap. That was the ray of sunshine, the little flare of hope I have. What did you make of the A.J. Hinch hire? Did you like it? Mm-hmm. And what does it say about their intent? Is it a little bit of a spin to the positive? I need to refill my glass first. Refill I have to do it under the table because I'm not allowed to have brand name stuff. You're on, allowed to have the, the Spiro Avenue brand. Yeah, just the Spiro. Okay. Yeah. Um, they nailed it with A.J. Hinch. I mean, it was the obvious target when Ron Gardenhire stepped down. Ron Gardenhire was always a transitional manager. Um, he was just going like the to, president, right? Yeah, he was exactly. He's gonna he's gonna keep the keep keep don't rock the boat. Keep things calm, and you know, and and Ron Gardenhire, to his credit, there was never a bad headline about. Ron. There was nothing negative about Ron Gardenhire, the person, when he was here. No, I mean, even with Osmus, even with Osmus, who had a team to win. I mean, he he put his you know, foot in his mouth a lot and made some ridiculous comments. And so there was, but with garden hair, it was three years of just eh, even keel. He was here to babysit. Which, he was the caretaker. Um, yeah. So it was always going to be, you know, the next manager was going to be the guy, just like Leland was going to be the guy to take, to put, put the tigers over the top. Alan Trammell was never going to be that guy. He was, Alan Trammell was hired because the team stunk and they needed some, sell some tickets. So they hired Trammell and they, made those ridiculous Fox sports commercials with Trammell and Parrish and Kirk Gibson, you know, like whenever you're putting your manager on the cover of the media guide, you suck. Oh yeah. And, and that's, <laughs> and that's, and that's, and that's exactly, but, but it did create excitement for a minute, for a minute. The, well, the, that you was know, people that were educated. It no, was sentimental. No, but for people that love to reminisce about the eighties tigers. And there are a lot of those people yeah. love to just go to the ballpark and not really care about, you know, whether they win or lose, but just enjoy the night out. That was fine. 
but you always were going to have Garden Hire be that transition guy and then hire the next guy. And they, and they nailed it. It was the obvious choice from the minute Garden Hire announced. It was the obvious choice from the minute AJ Hinch got suspended the year before. Um, I mean, right then you had to target. You knew Garden Hire was probably not going to go beyond his three year contract. Right then you had to target. This is our guy. Um, you say what you want about the, the cheating scandal. I don't know how much he knew. He probably knew more than he let on at the beginning. I mean, you're the manager. You probably know things. But that's not the Tigers' problem. <laughs> like, the Tigers' objective is to get the best manager possible. It doesn't matter what he did in Houston. Uh, he didn't murder anybody. I mean, there are people he who— served the penalty. He, he served his penalty. He's rightfully allowed to—I mean, look, the Red Sox, they went back and got Cora. And, yep. I mean— uh, and rightly so. I mean, these are World Series winning managers. Um, and so it was absolutely the right call. It wasn't the Tigers issue. <laughs> you know, you hear people, heard a lot of people early on saying, I can't believe they went after the cheater. And <laughs> Give me a break. Don't Your objective is to win baseball games. And when you have the, pe- the team to win, you want the manager to make as much of a difference as possible. There's no manager who's going to make more then what, seven wins a year difference, eight wins, whatever the number is. But you want that manager who will get you that number based on his lineups, his approaches, his analytics. And A.J. Hinch is top of the line. And they got very fortunate that the White Sox decided to play old-timers day with Tony La Russa. That, that was the most botched. They have everything. And if they would have, if they would have known about the, the drunk driving beforehand, he wouldn't have got the job. And then Yep. AJ Hinge, Hinge was going to Chicago after Detroit uh, for the interview. I mean, and clearly the White Sox are in a better position to win right now. So anybody's going to take that job over the Tigers job. And they got fortunate. All the, all the dominoes fell into place for the Tigers and they made a great hire. Uh, but again, it's only a great hire if you add to what he has to work with and you do it quickly. I don't think AJ Hinch signed up to come here, you know, to, you know, to wait five years. Well, I mean, and that, that's a key point you just made. Well, let me, let me, let me make ahead. one more Go key ahead. point. Really, uh, You talk about the money. The yes. managerial money isn't a big deal. I've heard this argument before. There's a low end. There's a high end. It's not a huge amount of money. So I'm not going to give the Tigers credit for spending the money because I think in relative, the difference of $2 million, $3 million is not a big deal for a billionaire owner, even one who's not spending like Chris Illich. So I'm not going to give him credit for going and spending the money to hire the manager. I give him credit for going, getting the best manager and making, I mean, Al Avila was on the phone with him five seconds after his, after the world series ended and his suspension was lifted. Um, So I give them credit for the all out pursuit. It was the only target. It should have been the only target and they got it done. But again, unless you do something about it, it's it's not going to, it's, no one's going to remember this higher in 50 years if the team right. doesn't if the team doesn't win and they're not in position to win right now. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, nail on the head. It's it's an interesting point. I mean, the it is essentially a rounding error whether you you hire a manager for 3 million or 1.5. It's it's no different. <laughs> I mean, there's a high end for what you pay a manager yeah. and a low end. And if it's a different it's maybe a difference of 3 million dollars at yeah. the most, that's nothing. Yeah. They, I mean, they're going to sign Wilson Ramos for 2 million dollars to a hole at catcher. I mean, it's that's. I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah, no. That's so I won't key. give him credit for that because I heard that I was playing golf with someone this fall and uh, another sports writer, and they said, "Do you think they'll spend to get AJ Hinch?" I'm like, "Spend, spend to get a manager? Yeah, they'll spend to get the manager. There's no difference between 1.5 and 3.5 or five million dollars 
in that, for me, it's a big difference. For that realm of things, it's there's it's pennies at that scale. And yeah. so I I don't give him credit for that, but the the all out pursuit to get him, and you knew it, you knew it from the beginning that they were gonna they were gonna go after it. They didn't let the hang up of Houston deter them, and I, I give him credit for that. But I wrote in that article where I talked about how they should be spending now. It's a great hire, if, and we're. Far from the if right now. We yeah, and hopefully not too much farther. But right. we, we were hoping the if was going to be this off season. No, it should have started. You this made should. you made the point, and you made a great point because I I did bring up the money even on this show. Obviously, I know it's not the same as the money being there for a player, but I think you did make sort of a good debunking of that element of it. But the other side, I'm not convinced that AJ Hinch takes this job. It's a guy with options, even if he had to wait a little longer, wait one more offseason. I'm not convinced he takes this job without certain assurances of the direction. So again, now we're I back in, now I we're back into the realm of promises. Right. For, but I, I feel like Chris Illich and Alvio would be more likely to lie to me than AJ Hinch. <laughs> I just think they, they probably respect AJ Hinch more than Justin. Well, you Stewart. sure would hope so. I mean, well, for instance, if AJ Hinch is here for three years and the team doesn't do anything. I mean, this guy, you know, is well within his right to go on a year-long speaking tour of how he was lied to by the Tigers. And yeah, yeah so you're you're right. I mean, of course, that's uh, encouraging. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm no, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I would agree with that. And that's why there. That's that's why the hiring of Hinch is. And I don't make as much uh, about the hiring of a manager as a lot of people do. I uh, in baseball, but this one I think was huge. I like this one a lot. I think it was impactful. It sent the right message and that the Tigers were going to get their guy. It sent the message that the Tigers were willing going to start winning. And you're right. He's not taking the job. He has, he, he has a number of offers. He could entertain next offseason halfway point this, uh, this season. He's when young. Gets he's fired. in his 40s. Like I mean, the guy, is, um, the, the guy served his time and is still widely regarded as, as, if not the best, the top three manager in baseball. You're right. It sent the right messages. So, you know. That's the silver lining. And you have to look at where we're at. Mm -hmm. We have nothing else to go on. And that it extends beyond the Tigers. The whole state of Detroit sports is a disaster. And for, you know, us, I, I know you sort of detach yourself to an extent, but I'm a Michigan State guy. Football and basketball ain't looking so hot now. So, <laughs> yeah, I have to look at like, okay, maybe Chris Illich said something really sexy in that meeting with A.J. Hinch about what's on the horizon. That's what we have to go on, and that's all we have. But you're right. I mean, without that step two, step three, step four of that process, it really means nothing. Right. Well, I like in the, I, I almost like in the AJ Hinch signing to the. I mean, as big of a deal and impactful of a deal as the Red Wings bringing Eiserman back. I think that it's almost that big of a deal. Like, and again, I'm someone who's not even that big into managers, but this guy. Uh, and again, the message it sends, like you said, it's, but if they don't spend this town's going to, I mean, you're going to lose the fan base for a decade. I mean, look what happened in the nineties. They lost the fan base for the complete nineties. I mean, and much of the early two thousands, you lost a whole generation of baseball fans. And if they, if, if they don't fulfill this promise, they're going to do it again. And fans have paid their dues and that's what it keeps coming back to. And we're there. We're not. You already asked us. We've waited a long time. We're at the point where it's time to move. And, and you made the point with Iserman. This is where as much, as many issues as I've had with Chris Illich and how he's done things with the district, with the Red Wings, with the Tigers. He hired, for my money, the best manager for his baseball team. 
and the best GM for his hockey team. So right. that is the sign of the positive. And that's all we have really to look for is constellations that look pretty because there's no real tangible result so far for any of these teams and certainly not either of Chris Illich's products, which have the best lottery odds in hockey every year and are picking top three in baseball every year. So we got a long way to go. I, I don't know. Just we'll finish with the Tigers here. If you had to guess, what year is this team back in the playoffs? Not contending. I, I, I honestly thought when this all started, I was looking at 2021 when the rebuild start, started. Me too. Uh, and that was under the assumption, crazy as it seems, that they get something for Justin Verlander and J.D. Martinez and, and all these pieces. Um, I mean, they got more for Alex Avila and Justin Wilson than they got for, for J.D. Martinez and Justin Verlander. So then I thought, but now I'm looking at, I mean, it's TBA. I mean, how can you put a number on it until you see – all right, they got Torkelson. We're going to see him this year, probably. That's going to be fun. You think so? I think so, absolutely. Henning I, doesn't think so. I think they will. Um, I think they absolutely will. He's starting in single A. I mean, that's a huge climb for three months. Yeah, I, I, I think that we will. That's my prediction. I've been wrong before. Uh, but they, but you, they got these guys you're going to see. Um, but again, until they make that first, wow, that guy, you know, it was like the whole, you know, I mean, it was, it was the Pudge Rodriguez signing. I mean, this guy won a World Series, he's a future Hall of Famer, and he's coming to Detroit. Until something like that happens, that cornerstone is plugged in. Look at the, look at the, the position players. Nine positions, and you can't say one of them is part of your winning future. Not That's, on their opening day roster. No. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got Torkelson and you got Green, okay, uh, that you, that, you know, but Green's still just a, not long out of high school. I mean, he looked great in spring training. That's promising. But on the roster right now, I mean, there should be pieces on that roster right now. I mean, Nico Goodrum, Candelario, Jacoby Jones, whatever. But there should be pieces on that roster right now in the position player portion of things that should be considered part of your future. And there's not. And that's a problem uh, because you're not going to fill all those in in the minors, especially when the minors is much more heavily based on your pitching than your offense and look at what we are doing we're talking about oh you know jacoby jones is a good piece and we're spending 10 minutes trying to discuss you know talk ourselves into it so to speak <laughs> candelario yeah yeah it was a very nice pandemic season look at his body of work his ops is like 700 i mean and it's not a tiny sample size in terms of at bats we're trying to talk ourselves into that and that that is sort of it's sort of but like that's when, the point i've been making and i and i made this when i uh when i wrote that column about the signing now is that when you look at the whole diamond and you don't see one guy. That there's no debate. It's like no, this guy. No, there's don't have nobody that. that has a position locked in. That's a problem. And that's why I said that the free agency thing, it's not just going to be like, we're ready to contend. Our prospects are ready. Let's sign all our guys. First of all, you're not going to be able to accomplish all that in a single off season. Why you had to start now. And again, just the timing of it, the pandemic, there are bargains out there long term. Yes, spend a little bit more now that you don't have. Um, I shouldn't say don't have. You don't have, they have the money. For it. You haven't they budgeted. Have budgeted. For it. Yeah. But they have yeah. the money. Yeah. Spend a little bit extra now to pay off down the, and start getting your pieces. Because, perfect example, and if you looked at 2006, it was boom, 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 three off seasons which meshed with the Verlanders, the Zamayas, the Grandersons in your, and then it all came together. 
so it's not just, so now you're, if you're asking me now, 2024, 2025, because it's not going to be, a, be in the playoffs. Just to be in the because it's not going to be a single off season. Now you're talking about an eight or nine year rebuild, and that's that's unacceptable. That's it's unacceptable. Beyond unacceptable. Uh, and uh, I yeah, I, I did. Since I when mean, are you a bigger cynic than me? I'm kind of like 2023. <laughs> you're a year past me. Well, you're mean, the first again, person to ever be more cynical again, than just, me in this I, studio. I look, at, I, I look at what it was, but I mean, you, you want to do the blueprint? Do the blueprint of the Astros. I mean, it was it was it wasn't. A qu- it wasn't didn't happen overnight, uh, and and uh, you know the pe- the putting the pieces in whether you're signing guys or trading for guys and again, and that's the big pro- the big problem. And you started it off the show, and I think that's really the root of things is that these major assets yielded no returns, yep. and and I think that that that's why you could be looking at an eight or nine year rebuild instead of a four or five year rebuild. Well, I was depressed before you got here. I was happy to see you for five minutes. Now I'm depressed again more than when we started. But there you go. Tony Paul, we've had 30, 35 guests on this show over the years, and you're the first one to come in as more of a cynic than me. So that's <laughs> you should get a plaque for that. Maybe we'll put that on the wall next to your picture. So anyway, that's your Tigers talk. You know what we do. You're the big fan of this show. You've called it maybe the best Detroit sports show that's not on 97.1. That's, uh, you know, sort of. Oh, I would put it up. Ahead of ninety of stuff on ninety seven. Well, don't be mean I, to. I, I, don't be mean to Stony. Enjoyed. Yeah, Stony was great. I know Mike Mike Vellani's the the best talent in town, but I do, <laughs> I, I do think we could hold ourselves up against anybody else mm-hmm. over there, and mm-hmm. no disrespect to them, but that is what it is. But so you know, point being, do I have to look at the screen? I didn't bring my glasses. This could be problematic. No, you okay. don't. Right. No, we we actually don't even have graphics for the oh. round. So th- we're we're gra- other than the intro, we're oh, okay. graphics free for this one. Okay. This is what happens when when Ben is taking six meetings on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> which he did. He sat in on our marketing meeting today because I couldn't go. <laughs> so yeah, our producer. That's how big this thing has become. Our you guys have marketing meetings. Oh yeah, it's I mean, incredible. Yeah, I, honestly, we're we're trying. We really are. We, we it's all to impress you. So you know the speed round, similar to you know word association, but a little longer form than that. So I'm just gonna rattle them off. We'll start here. It's one of my favorite ones to ask the baseball guys. Mm-hmm. You're going to a game. Let me frame this properly. You're going to a game as a fan, not as a writer. I don't care about the press box. You're going to a game as a fan. Better baseball venue, Tiger Stadium, America Park. Oh, Tiger Stadium, without a doubt. Um, I mean, this you're right on top of the action. I mean, it, Comerica Park is gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. It's a very nice ballpark, but I mean, some of those seats are so far away. Um, also, like, there, like this, depending on the time of day, I mean, in the middle of the summer, there's like you can roast. I mean, absolutely roast in those seats. You know, Tiger Stadium was had a little bit more shade, and you know, I, you're right on top of the action for me. No brainer. Yeah, I'm I mean, Comerica is nice, very nice. They did a nice job with it. I'm glad they moved the fences in. I mean, the atmosphere for the playoffs was amazing. Yes, no question. But to watch a game and to be right there, and you know, Tiger Stadium. I'm with you. I don't get the hate for Comerica Park, like Matt Derry, Mike Funny. They just shit on it like no, it's a dump. It's, it's like it's, it's a great place. But yeah, Tiger Stadium. When I was a kid, I used to go to the upper, upper, like center field, the last mm-hmm. row, and like you, you're still like above yeah. the center field. Yeah. It was so cool. But yeah. great place. Oh, love it. Staying on the Tigers. 2006 Tigers versus 2012 Tigers, seven-game series. Who wins? 2012. I'm of the opinion that the 2006 Tigers were not a great 
collection of talent roster talent like good players yeah very good players all the way around was the i mean but no 2012 and 2013 i mean those teams were just loaded do they have a different fate either or both of those teams if they don't sweep the alcs and sit around for a week without playing i've always thought i never really thought that that was a big deal um growing up watching baseball and until it happened to the Tigers over and over. And it's how they lost. So it's not just that yeah, they it, lost. It's, it's how bad they looked. Falling and, and down. Yeah. I mean, it just, uh, maybe. Um, but, I mean, who, who can tell you to, you know, oh, take a little longer to win this series. I mean, obviously you want to get done in four or five and have your rotation set up. It was just, they were so much, they were better than the Cardinals. They were better than the Giants. Um Clearly better than both of those teams. Clearly better than the Cardinals. I think the Giants were a pretty underrated team. They they had some talent on that team. Yeah, but the 2012 Tigers were also better yeah, than the O's. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, the no, gap. the 2006 Cardinals were one of the worst teams. They shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. No, the um, 83 win yeah. team. Um, no, but for me, I've always made the case that the 2006 Tigers, who were a lot of fun and a good team, were not a great team. They they caught they were they caught lightning in a bottle. Everything came together. Everything that went right. I mean, you know, you're hitting walk-off home runs on a nightly basis. It was just everything. It didn't matter if they were down in a game. It was just everything went right. Perfect storm. 2012-2013 Tigers. Um, 2013 Tigers might have been the best team. That is the in, best team. In franchise history. Like, yeah. if you look at it. Um, uh, all due respect to 68 Tigers and all the, you know, I mean, I didn't see him play. But that 2013 team was loaded. And if one pitch doesn't go against them in that game two, they win the World Series. I, I'll never stop believing that. Yeah, I think you're in a, a crowded boat on that take. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. That worst game I've ever been to. I was at Fenway and Benoit's bring it brought in five to one in bottom of the eighth when Ortiz is in the on deck, you know, getting ready to take his hacks. And uh, I tell my buddy, just walk him. Not intentional, like the semi-intentional walk. Don't throw him a single strike. Mm-hmm. Like just, and he's jacked up. He's the most clutch hitter ever. Try to get himself out. If you walk him, it's five two. You're you know two outs. Yeah. Go get Mike Napoli. Yeah. I, I was saying he's, he's just got to win that game. Ben anyway. was throwing his his warm up pitches, yeah. and it, the thing about that that was so torturous was a four run lead in that game felt like a hundred. Because they hadn't scored Dick in two games. I know the Tigers. Sanchez they, shut him out. They started in game like one. with no hitters. Yeah, like in five, like or five six, six innings, innings. Or, but the first two or three games. They didn't have any hits. They didn't have no. four hits going into that inning in the no. whole series so far. No. One on four runs. Now, would you have brought in Phil Coke over Benoit? No, I absolutely was, not. I was fine with Benoit. Mm. You know, I think you put your best guy out there. And he was. But I, I, I yeah. couldn't believe the uproar of fans. And it was all hindsight crap. I mean, these fans acting like Phil Coke was. You know, or Aldis Chapman <laughs> or something. I mean, it was always Benoit. He was always your best guy. I, I you that. use your best guy in in the high leverage spot, but yeah. I just think I, yeah, that's a good point though. My my buddy James, one of my best friends, will vouch for me till we die that mm. the guy's warming up. It's that Ortiz isn't even in the box yet, and I'm saying just you can't let him beat no. you. If Napoli clears the bases and ties the game with a double or something. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Don't let the best clutch hitter of this era maybe ever beat you. And yeah. it was a meatball on the first pitch. But anyway, let's yep. see. it wasn't a good pitch. Biggest jerk you've ever covered just as a guy. 
I have a feeling I know your answer. Oh, Delman Young. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Delman Young. <laughs> Delman Young. We talked. Oh, we talked just about a nasty, just an asshole. nasty guy. Um, we talked about his stuff in New York. I can't remember if it was anti-Semitic, homophobic, yeah, yeah, and or that, I can't remember it, what it was. Yeah, and that was bad. I remember. I remember that stuff when he got arrested in New York. Like <laughs> I had, I had been out to the bar till like two or three in the morning or something, and like it all broke at like five thirty-six in the morning. And I'm sitting there. My boss is calling. I've just got uh, whatever. But uh, the crazy thing is, is his brother. Is one of the nicest people I've ever covered. In, in, it's Dimitri. In, in Dimitri. Yep. Um, but Delman was, uh, he was a piece of work. And you ask any, you ask any reporter in town. Um, uh, yeah. And I remember one time Delman was sitting at his locker, all grumpy, and Lynn Henning's just mulling around. And Delman barks at him, I'm not talking. And Lynn goes, I wasn't looking to talk to you, Delman. <laughs> 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 like, that's, well, no, no but this would. is a guy who, I mean, yeah. the stories I heard were, I mean, he'd send, you know, the clubbies to get Starbucks every day and didn't even pay them for the Starbucks. Like, didn't, oh, not really? even that he didn't tip, just didn't even pay them for the Starbucks. Aren't you, what, what's the process? I know they do tips. Is it, I thought it was at the end of the year they give like a big tip. Isn't they do. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they do. But clubbies get tipped out um, by the road team at the end of each series. And then usually at the end of the year, they get big tips. But this was just, this wasn't even about tipping the club. This was, he didn't even pay for the Starbucks. <laughs> oh, I, well, geez, I hope the club, he got his money back. Yeah. My God. Yeah, uh, I doubt it was from him. I had know. a soft spot for Delman. I mean, the guy just, threw a bat at an umpire. I mean, what do you expect? He's I a mean, clown. I just like that. Like he's pitching now, by the way, Delman Young. In like Japan or somewhere, he's pitching. He's I saw something playing? on Twitter. He was pitching. He's going like the Anthony uh, Ghost yeah, route. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Delman will always have the playoffs. Don't throw Delman on oh, the fastball on the first. I'll tell you, he, he was he was huge uh, in the playoffs for, for Baltimore too. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, he killed the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so. he he was. But uh, yeah, and it's not like I had any major interactions with him personally. About you know, but just, oh, I mean, I saw him and heard about him, and I mean, I I mean, he just wasn't. Wasn't friendly. I mean, there are guys who aren't friendly. There's a lot of professional athletes who aren't friendly, but they're professional. I mean, if they they know that they talk, they have to talk, and they're fine with it. But he was just, man. I just don't. I I can't imagine going through every day just that angry. And I, that's kind of what I felt about him, especially when you know first overall pick. He has all this money. He's got a great lifestyle. Yeah. It's like you know, pull it together, buddy. You know, I, I would think your runner-up would have been David Price, not to speak for you. I didn't have an issue with David Price. He had, he an, had issue an issue with, with me. He didn't like you. He didn't like me, and I asked a very legitimate question, and he didn't like that it. That was about he was trying to throw too many fastballs It was that year something. he came to the Tigers where he wanted his, – his theory was, I want to get the batter out in three pitches or less. Going right after everybody. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, there was the game against the Yankees who have traditionally beaten him badly, um, and he, he did that. He, they were hammering him on the first – Couple, you know, first pitch or second pitch of an at bat, they're ambushing him. He got destroyed. I asked Osmus the question, you know, is there such thing as throwing too many strikes? And Osmus said, yes, there is. And I asked David Price that uh, question, and we never spoke again. <laughs> well, he doesn't like a lot of people. He went off on Eckersley when he was in Boston. He's kind of a weird yeah, guy. Yeah. So let's go to the flip side of the coin. The nicest guy you've ever covered. Don't care about his baseball skill. Just nicest player you've ever covered. Mm, there's a lot of them. Um, I'll throw one of them out. Okay, I'll, let me think here. I want to be accurate. Uh, yeah, Tory Hunter, and and you're going to say that uh, you know, I mean, what, there's a conflict. There. There's a conflict. He there. doesn't like your. Uh, he no, would he would call it lifestyle. I don't even get off to the greatest start either, because when the Tigers uh, acquired him, uh, 
and I first we first had our chance to interview him. It was at Tiger Fest right before Tiger Fest began. And I asked him the question about it and he didn't like it. And it was a rough start, but I mean, super nice. I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, very, very nice guy. Um, all the catchers are always great. Um, catchers? What's that about? No, it's just they, they all have to speak after every game. So they're, you know, because they have to talk about the pitcher. And so they're always really nice. Alex Avila. I, I mean, he would probably be my runner up, if not my first. So, but Tory Hunter was, I mean, just. Amazingly, uh, amazingly kind. Been nice to see Mc, James McCann pop right after he left, and the guy, guys signing big money deals. Now. I got, I got ripped uh, for saying they would miss James McCann, and I may have been one of them. I can't remember. You might have been. I can't but, remember. Um, I've been, by several people uh, because I didn't see them having in the minors what they thought they had, and I thought James McCann, particularly as a platoon catcher, again, he's great against lefties, struggles against righties. But uh, I, I, I got ripped for saying they were going to miss him. So well, I, I don't, I'm not right all the time, but I'll take the credit when I am. You know, I definitely yeah, wave the flag. I, the Jake Rogers thing, it's like, oh, he's hitting 220 in the minors. I'm sure he'll figure it out. I, I just, I never understood it. Like, where's the track record for these minor league guys that couldn't hit in the minors mm-hmm. and then just raked in the big leagues? I mean, right. maybe like there's been one or two ever, but I can't remember. Well, they anything. say there's actually been more than you think. And you know, Jim Price, God love him, uh, always brings up, and even Leland used to bring this up uh, in that uh, the lights are better in the majors than they are in the minors. Like a literal point? Like literally, literally the, the lights are better in the major leagues than they are in the minor I've leagues. I've never heard that. Yeah. Leland had brought I mean, that up. I believe it, but I mean, Leland had that brought that argument. up before. I've heard Jim Price say it. It's, and if you go to some of these podunk team, towns in minor leagues, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're like light posts you'd see at a high school game. You know, as the, I've heard that argument before. I have not looked into it. Look, I've never like gone on baseball reference and look compared. I don't care that much. I know. I've heard that argument before. It's not perfectly linear. I'm not saying that like a 270 hitter can't in the minors can't possibly hit 280 ever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying an example of a guy that can't hit at all that is just terrible in the minors then becoming a solid hitter in the majors. Yeah. I haven't seen that, but apparently Jake Rogers they think it's going to happen. Right. Pivot to this favorite road ballpark. Uh, I and this is uh, I mean I've been to a lot of good ones. Um, I'll just. I mean, San Francisco is amazing. Um, Dying to get there. Been. It's it's amazing. I was there for the World Series, and uh, man, that place was loud. Especially when you know, you know, Justin they had, <laughs> they had a lot to cheer for. They had a lot to cheer for. That's got to be up there. That's probably number one. Um, but uh, I mean, PNC, everyone raves about. It's great for photos. I mean, no question. I mean, it's the most. It's got to be the biggest selfie ballpark in baseball with the rivers and the the bridges. That's up there. Um, but one that a lot of people don't talk about that um, I really love, and it stood the test of time, uh, and they've done some work to it too, but is Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. I just think it's a great ballpark, great venue. I love the fountain out there, especially when now that they went to the, the grass. and um, Just an underrated ballpark for me. So uh, of the older ones, that would be it. I mean, Fenway and Wrigley are fine. You know, but, They're cool for what they are. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. like apples to oranges. You almost need them like in a different category. Right. Now, I've never been to Camden Yards, and a lot of people would put Camden. I like Camden. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've been to Camden. Uh, I had like a partial season ticket plan to the Cubs. I grew up actually a, a Cubs fan just because I love Sammy Sosa and went to law school in Chicago. So, yeah, I, I mean, I have a sentimental thing for Wrigley, but it is a dump. I mean, like, you know, it's, but it, the uh, the area around the ballpark, Wrigley is, is a amazing. lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, there's no question. about So if that. you're talking, yeah, if you're talking about best atmosphere neighborhood, 
it's got to be Wrigley of the ballparks I've been to. I've only been to probably about 15 to 20. So I've been to all of them. That's pretty good. Better than most. I'm going to finish with two regarding our alma mater, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. We were there at different times. I'm old. When You're were a little... you there? I'm sorry? When were you there? I graduated in 2011. Okay. So, a little uh, bit after me. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit after you. So uh, I'm, I'm old. But not, not that much. Uh, only, only nine years. Okay. So, but nine years, that brings me to my point. I was in East Lansing a few months back, and I don't even recognize the place. I'm wondering, kind of a weird question, but this is more kind of a, a selfish thing because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Tony Paul sitting in East Lansing in his dorm or in his apartment, like, what are you doing in your dorm? What was Tony Paul doing? College Tony Paul doing? Were you playing like Madden back then? What were you doing then? No, I was actually very rarely in my dorm. I was at the, I mean, I basically lived at the student newspaper or state news. Um, I wasn't there much. You were a state news guy? Yeah, oh, yeah. Were you there when Jamel Hill was there? No, she was there just before me. Okay, I was so there when Charles Robinson was there. Okay. Um, so my and, brother was there with Jamel. Yeah, uh, she was, I think, just before me. Okay. Like her and Rex Road were like just before me. Solari, that that crowd. Well, finally, Solari. You said two people that hated me. You got the one that, that likes me, so that's good. <laughs> Rex Road hates me. Uh yeah, I haven't been to East Lansing much lately. Um, but the last time I did go, I, I did rec- I did think the same thing. I don't recognize it's it unrecognizable. Anymore. There's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot less dive food and a lot more sushi uh, than than I would have had in college. So you were a gr- you were a grinder. You were working hard. You yeah, I was at the State News a ton. Yeah. Um, and when I wasn't there, we were at the Peanut Barrel. So that's about You're it. You're a Peanut Barrel guy. So yeah. am I. I love the Peanut yep. Barrel. They don't, have, they don't allow the peanuts anymore, though. Which, I know it's because of insurance reasons. So. I heard that. I heard. I didn't re- know that was the reason. I yeah. heard they weren't doing that. Yeah, which is like they were still doing it when I was there. Yeah, no, not for the last I think five or six years. Luckily, I lived right next door to the peanut barrel. Literally, like I mean, I could hit the peanut barrel with a football from my apartment literally like and i don't have a great arm it was that close <laughs> i love the peanut barrel yeah. and i was newly 21 so oh, i was like yeah. i'm gonna go downstairs to oh, the bar yeah. it's more of like the older guy bar but yeah. i've always liked that oh it's more. just it was it was i mean there were all the you know there was all the other stuff the rib and the land shark and all that but the peanut barrel was just great i mean the long islands they have the two long island rule at, because they're so strong yes and notoriously notoriously strong like even if you had two you're probably going to be throwing up that evening but the rule was so enforced that you could go during the day on a football saturday and have your two long islands during michigan state's football game and then you could leave and you could come back at 11 at night and you would try to order one and they would remember that you had two <laughs> Like, I don't know how they did it, but you were not getting a third Long Island. They're doing you a favor. They were. They were. But you were not getting a third Long Island. I never wanted a second one, actually, because you have that first. They're so exactly. They're they're strong and they're sweet. It's like, oh, it's more like the sweetness. But I love the peanut barrel. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to our last one. The peanut barrel is still there. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Your favorite defunct East Lansing establishment. Yeah, that's easy. That was, um, uh, I think it was. I'm trying to get the name because it was all American pita or something like that. Or it was a pita place. Anyway, it was right next near the peanut barrel. It's right across Grand River. Uh, it was a pita place. It was really good. They had waffle fries. I want to say all American, but I, I could be wrong on that. It must have been gone before I was there. Probably. I think yeah. it was. It might have even ended like just after I left. Um, but they were great. And um, the and <laughs> it was off topic, but I uh. I had uh, I have more gray hair now, but I did have gray hair in college, um, and so it obviously stood out, you know, 
seeing a younger person with gray hair. So I would go to the, uh, the PETA place, whatever it was called, I can't even remember, and get an order. And there was always the two, girl, two college girls working, and they loved my gray hair, loved it, to the point where they would give me free waffle fries. They loved it that much. Free waffle free fries? Free waffle fries because they loved my gray hair. They were so intrigued by it. Well, but at times in college, I would toy with dying at blonde, you know, because that's what we did in the 90s and early 2000s. And so I did that, died at bleach blonde a few times. I remember once I went freshly dyed to the pita pit and uh, or whatever it was called. And, uh, and the girls were there and they were pissed. They're they pissed were pissed over your blonde hair? Yes. I did not. Not only did I not get free waffle fries that day, I went back to the state news office. Someone else had walked over like after me to get food from there. They came back and that person said to me, he said, Hey, you know, those girls over at the pita place, they're telling like, yeah. other people. Yeah. They're like, they're pissy. <laughs> That's the weirdest gripe I've ever heard of. My life. I know. Like, well, I, I don't know. They were, they were pissed that I dyed my hair, but the other one that was good was flats. I don't know if that was oh, flats see, was so good. That was mine. That was so good. Also I mean, right next door to me. It and so right unique. Yeah. Like, I mean, everything was just like, but at the time it was unique. I mean, yeah. but, uh, it was so good. And, uh, their fries are really good too, just traditional fries, but really good. Flats was Flats was great. Flats had. Uh, I think the pita one was only because I have a story about that. Flats was probably the place I went to more often. Than flats, it. I don't even know what to call it. Like they had like quesadilla. That's was, basically what it was. Everything yeah. was a quesadilla. You yeah. just put in burger meat or whatever you wanted in it. But I don't know if you remember on football game days they would have breakfast specials, so they would have like these in-house homemade like blueberry pancakes and they would open earlier on game days so they did have breakfast i think every day but they opened up like three hours earlier just on football game days and you know because for the people that are tailgating at like 7 a.m right i did not know that that would have been good to know they were oh they were awesome they were the food was great for one but the atmosphere was great but yeah they were right downstairs so my buddies and i we would just go downstairs have breakfast like on tailgate Saturdays and then just walk across the street to the stadium basically. But it was the best. Flats so, was great. Flats was uh, my I don't answer. know how that didn't last. Uh, I, it was because I mean, it was always packed every time I was there. Like it was always busy. They didn't pay their taxes. That's what probably, was. I think there were yeah. a few places like that. New Science. There was like there. a, te- they got shut down. It wasn't like a voluntary closure. Okay, yeah. I was walking home one day cause it was, I passed it every day walking back to my apartment and there was like a sign. It was like seized by the government. Yeah. <laughs> it was not like wow. a, a happy ending for That's that. That's unfortunate because that place flat. was that place was excellent. My favorite place up there before mm-hmm. it closed. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a bummer. And that, I, I mean, that closed like two years before I left. Flats Girl, that was the best. Yeah. Well, Tony Paul, man, you did great. Happy to have you back, man. Thanks for having me. I love what you've done with the place. Everything's branded. I mean, you got your own water. Here. I know. I, mean, I know. We're really a, trying to make you happy. It's, and, uh, it's, it's incredible. You're doing great work. I appreciate it, it and appreciate your public support of the show. And, you know, we have a, a lot of fun stuff still coming. So who's the next guest? Who's, who's, Colton who's, Pouncey okay. from The Athletic right. will be in on Tuesday of next week. And he will we be a lot to talk about. Michigan State. A lot going on. And all those guys at The Athletic, I mean, I just they don't get any of these hires wrong. It's like, you no. look at, they're all good. I mean, they're all, we've had James Edwards in here. You know, Craig Custance is a little higher up the chain. Uh, yeah, but James Edwards covering the Pistons is great. Max Boltman was great. Oh, um, Katie. Katie Strang. Katie's the best. Katie Strang, another Michigan State alum, by the way, has turned me down to do the show like 12 times. Yeah, she's so, probably smarter than the rest of us. No, yeah. I, <laughs> but she, she's whether, whatever that Not is very about, nice girl. She, but. she is one of the best before. I mean, she did that story about the angels this week with Mickey Calloway. Yeah. Um, the story she's done on, um, 
the sexual abuse in the hockey circles yes, um, that was the has been one. very amazing and impactful. She's a really, really good reporter. One of my favorites. It's, yeah. it's that that out at the athletic and, you know, I took some heat for, I mean, I was right out of the gate. The day one before it even launched in Detroit was like, I think this will work. We talked the last time you were in here about the uh, subscription model and you guys have gone into mm-hmm. that, that pool now. And, you know, it's it, the model is one thing. It's a separate argument, but the hires they're making are great. Oh, yeah. You got to make you got to hire the right people. And the athletic in Detroit has done a pretty good job. I'd pay to read you. I'd pay to read some of your colleagues at the News and Freep. There's a lot of guys I wouldn't pay for. The athletic, it's like they don't have a dot. I'm so impressed by that. No, they also they all their model is also longer form, which means they get more time to work on stuff. And, they have and VC that's, that's a big and, deal. I yeah. mean, um, you know, when you're not having to file daily grind stuff that we all have to do, you know not crying about what we do because I love what we do, but um, you know, they produce a lot of great journalism because they're given the time. And I think that if more outlets hired more people and gave their reporters the time to do things, enterprise and all that stuff, then more outlets would, would be successful. Well, certainly in your case, I mean, you're reporting and we've discussed that. I mean, you're, you're truly one of the best in your work covering Michigan state and, you know, what we saw at the softball team and the Blackwell stuff. Uh, with the football it. program, Matt, you're really, you're really a plus. That's why I'm really popular in East Lansing. There are coaches that still will talk to me. They're up in Michigan State, so well, that's good that for you. I, we're kindred on this because my fan base, for the most part, like hates me, which is really interesting. <laughs> it's you know, it's like I'm not even gonna get go down that road. This, if you say anything honest about Michigan State in a negative light, like totally honest, even an objective truth, it's like you're a hater, you're a bad guy. Well, that's what that's that's what I found that that is very much the case with college athletics because there's such a loyalty to there's more of a loyalty um, to colleges than even to pro sports among fan bases because you are who you are. I went to Michigan State. I, I'm I'm a Spartan I'm for, through the good or the bad, and don't say anything bad about my team because I'll fight you to it. And I found that during the reporting on a lot of the Michigan State stuff that. But that was the case, and they, so they didn't, uh, you know, take kindly. I heard from a couple, a couple Spartan people, uh, high-ranking people at the university, actually, who, who told me that the coverage was excellent. So I'll take that for what it's. Well, worth. I'm not a high-ranking Spartan person, but as you're enough, high yeah. enough, but you're not quite as high as these. <laughs> but look, people. look at the room that you're in. I mean, yeah, does this look like the room of someone that yeah. does not like Michigan yeah, yeah, State? Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff's off camera, but like it's it's the wall of, of yeah. Sparty all around us. But it's I get accused of that, too. So I have dumb people that don't like me, too, Tony. We can talk about it over. <laughs> hey, content. I'm not saying people are dumb. They don't like me. I mean, I'm I, saying I, I, I'm yeah. not overly likable all the like, time. So you're crazy. Yeah. If you don't like Tony Paul, you're nuts. And that's why we keep bringing you back. And I'm glad you keep yeah. obliging us. So yeah. do you have a Detroit News subscription? I do. Oh, we talk, we talked right, about this right. last time. We talked about right. and and uh, if I recall, uh, producer Ben on the other side of the wall here, the great and powerful Oz subscribed like while you were sitting in that oh, chair, nice, just, like, nice. uh, out of respect for you. Nice. So yeah, no, you. you I guys definitely are, do. See, there you go. <laughs> Very, well, yeah, I, I and I was early even before you you appeared, but it, but you know, you were one of the reasons why. For one, I want to support because I, you know, you were the one that said you'll miss the newspapers when they're well, gone. Well, you absolutely will because if, if you, I, I mean. If you if you lose the newspapers, radio stations, you lose radio station yep. content, you lose TV content. I mean, I love my friends in the TV and radio industry, and I have some very great journalists in all uh, in this market in all avenues. Um, but the newspapers tend to be more comprehensive um, in what they cover, um, obviously because they're not limited to a twenty-one minute broadcast or you know limited to five or eight minute segments on the radio. 
Um, so yeah, I believe, I honestly believe you will, um, there will be a big ripple effect if, if we were to go out and we're not going anywhere right now. So, I mean, that's not, can we give subscriptions at the athletic? That's a good question. I don't know. They should be able to do that. Uh, I'm guessing you probably can, um, you just sign up under someone else's, you know, sign up for someone else and give them, you know, but we did, I don't, I I haven't, honestly, I haven't done the the research on it because I mean, we get our subscriptions, but, uh. Um, let's look into that. Maybe we yeah, do a little promo. We uh, did it for the athletic when uh, they first started. We, you know, it was something like retweet our thing and we'll give you a, we gave away like five yeah, annual subscriptions. I'll look into it. Let's see. What yeah. We if do. we can gift it, I don't want to be getting into the weeds of I'm logging into, you know, Joe Martinez, three, seven, two's account and giving him my credit card. And right. stuff. But if I can gift one, we'll do that. We'll right. maybe I'll retweet the show. All so right. Tony Paul, find him on Twitter. Tony Paul, one, nine, eight, four at Tony Paul, 1984. Great pleasure, man. Thanks Love for having, having you back. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe another month, two yeah, months, three months. Yeah. Didn't scare you off? No, not at all. Thanks. I enjoyed you. coming here. I this appreciate is, uh, it. Studio is something else. Yeah, like I said, all for you, man. All for you. So, How does this studio compare to like 97.1? Did Stoney tell you? or I mean, is it like similar? Or? Well, it's nicer than when even he was in here. We've made like upgrades since oh, okay. he was in here, but yeah. he did say it was very nice. Yeah. He said very nice things about our show and, and me as a, a talent and all that, but he didn't say too much about the studio. There is No, he there. said a lot about the studio. Just Not the- in comparison to 97.1 he didn't. Not he- in that context. But I will say there is someone who assisted us with the build of our little TriCaster system who has a prominent hand over at 97.1, who has been a consultant uh, from the beginning for us. And his opinion was that we're like, from a technological standpoint, like on par with them. And from an aesthetic standpoint, I mean, they don't really put much into that. It looks very... Like it looks like a factory in there. Yeah, they spruced it up a little bit when they started doing the live stream with the cameras, but yeah, very little. I don't like the aesthetic. I like the aesthetic we got here. I'm I'm no, this is this is impressive. It's the right colors. I appreciate it. So check out, by the way, Virgil'sVineyard.com. One last quick reminder: promo code Spiro S P I R O. It's a really good wine anyway. Like, why not get ten percent off? It's fantastic. My mom, who's a big fan of this show said she wants to support them, so she's not going to use the promo code. And I said, no, it doesn't help us if you don't <laughs> use the, not the promo code. <laughs> Mom, please use the promo code. So please, if you're out there, use the promo code, Spiro, virgilsvineyard.com. They're awesome. Thanks to Ben, the great man behind the wall here. Ben, great job by you as always. Colton Pouncey in studio on Tuesday for the first time. Deep dive on Michigan State football. He is one of the finest writers in the state of Michigan. Happy to have him here for the very first time in a few days. And right around that same time, we'll be running Off the Curb Episode 2. We had a lot of fun with you guys with our new solo show. Tony, I don't know if you watched solo. that. Wow, you really made it now. I got, I don't know if I made Two it. Two shows. I got a huge mouth, so I, I could go four hours by myself. Ben, <laughs> Ben's like, we got to get down to 20. So we'll be back with that, too. Spiro Avenue Show, Justin Spiro. Thank you all for watching. This has been Tony Paul, Ben Augusta on the other side of the wall. Eric Williamson, our graphics guy, and his boxers on his couch at home. Justin Spiro from the Spiro Avenue Studios. We will see you in a few days. Thank you for watching.